0: Alright, and welcome back to Maximize Your Influence, this is Kurt Mortenson here, as we learn to lead better, sell better, think better, be better, live better, and be more successful. That's what it's all about, to maximize every aspect of your life. This is Podcast 309, Kurt Mortensen here, just got back from Champaign, Illinois, I think that's the first or second time I've been there, it's about two hours from Chicago, Spent some time talking about people that are working on real estate on dealing with resistance and revealing, and hopefully you already know this, that most resistance you are causing. I mean, there's internal resistance and external resistance, but a lot of times you have to own up and realize you're causing the resistance that you are getting. So shout out to Champagne. Let's dive into it. Let's get into it. Let's learn some great things, ways to become more influential and persuasive. We're going to focus a lot on self-persuasion today, but before we do, let's get into the geeky scholarly article of the week. Now, we've talked on the show Dr. Cuddy's research. She does a lot with power poses. You've probably heard the Wonder Woman, the Victory Pose, how it releases chemicals in your body and you feel more confident just by the way you're standing, these power poses. Now, Dr. Cuddy's work on these power poses, not only is it a book, but there's 70 million views... On TED Talks. And I was reading, this is the Journal of Metapsychology done at Iowa University and Marcus Kredge. His research shows power poses are bunk, but maybe just don't slouch. And so his research is showing no, 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 not true. So that caught my eye because we've talked about Dr. Cuddy's work on the show and how when you walk more confident, you do your power poses. People swear by these. There's books, 70 million views. This is huge. And they were taking a deep dive into this. In fact, found that there really hasn't been any study comparing power poses to a normal pose. They're always comparing power poses to slouching. And that caught my eye. Let's talk about it. Because this research gained popularity by I think about 2010 with the poses and charisma and presence and how it decreased cortisone levels and increased testosterone levels in men and women. And they felt more powerful and willing to take risks. But what happened after that study is it drew a lot of criticism because the results could not be replicated. So in the Journal of Metapsychology, they talked about, okay, how do you replicate this? And they tried to do it. And nearly all the studies they found were poorly designed and failed to compare power poses to normal poses. They all compared, again, those power poses to slouching or, well, I guess we call low self-esteem poses. And only four of the 40 studies they looked at on power posing were designed to show the benefits. And one of the studies compared the effects of slouched, neutral, and power poses on feelings of dominance. According to the findings, feelings of dominance were highest in the neutral position, and the power pose was associated with diminishing feelings of power. So even though the power pose was better than slouching, it was not as good as the neutral pose. And what drove all the other studies was the negative effect of the slouching posture, which makes sense. We know that. And now we have to look between the neutral pose and the power pose. Here's the conclusion researchers found from the existing literature and research that they are doing. Basically, slouching should be avoided. Well, duh, okay, we know that one. But then the neutral pose is almost just as good or better sometimes than the power pose. Just throwing it out there, something to think about. I know we've talked about it on the show, but just stand up straight. Don't slouch. That makes a big difference. But sometimes power poses aren't as effective as just standing normal. Slouch is bad. Stand up straight. Just like your mom told you. That's simple. That is our geeky scarly article of the week. So let's get into our blunder, our persuasion influence blunder of the week. Don't, don't, don't. And this goes to our friends at Intel. Now, who's Intel? They make computer chips. And I'm going back on this one. I just remembered it the other day because this one's huge because it cost them $475 million. So we got to go back to 1994. And this is a classic Harvard HR study case because this did not go the right way. And this is a lesson on focusing on logic instead of emotion. This is a great lesson here because they really blow it. So they came out with these Pentium chips. I don't know if you remember the Pentium chip. They were for computers. Top of the line, best of the best. So they came out with these chips and all the new computers, all the PCs had these chips. But then somebody found a bug. There was a bug. These chips were not perfect. and There was a one in a 36 billion chance that a miscalculation could occur. And who found that was a math professor named Thomas Nicely. He was out of Virginia. And he told Intel, hey, look, you've got a problem. There's a flaw in this chip. And Intel retorted with a response that was like, oh, yeah, we know about it. We found that back in June. Don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. You have to be doing rocket science for this computer, this chip, to make a mistake. Well, that got into the media. It freaked out the public. Everyone's got a new computer. It has a flaw. They're like, yeah, don't worry about it. It's not going to be a big deal. Don't worry about it, logically. But emotionally, you just spent all this money on a computer. It has a flaw. It has a mistake. It might make a mistake. What if it makes mistakes? What if it destroys my business? What if this happens, right? All those negative things start to happen. And man, uproar, freaked out on the emotional side. Intel had to replace all the chips, even though logically it didn't need to happen. was not a big deal cost them over $475 million to replace these flawed processors. The lesson being all these analytical engineers who already knew about it still released it, but it's a flaw. It's a mistake. It's not right. That's all emotional. Remember the number one in 360 billion chance of a miscalculation. I mean, It's not going to happen. But the emotional side, they were too close to it They were being too logical. They told people not to worry about it, which was the other mistake, because then they're going to worry about it. It's like telling your kids not to be sad because they're feeling sad. And the public freaked out, and the rest is history. So you have to look at the emotional side of your consumers, your customers, your prospect. You're too close to it. You've lost that emotional side. It might not be an issue to you, but it is an issue to them. So that is the blunder of the week. Very expensive blunder. And again, logically, keep the chip. Not a big deal, but emotionally, when you buy something, you don't want to have a flaw in it. Oh, the new car only has one ding in it. Don't worry about it. It'll still drive fine. Yeah, it's not what people want to hear. Thanks, Intel, for your blunder of the week. And that gets us to listener email. Oh, boy. And just so you know, that's Kurt, K-U-R-T, at Maximize your Influence.com. Of course, everything you need is at MaximizeInfluence.com to contacting me to get in the free book, Maximize Your Influence. Pick up a little shipping and handling to taking your persuasion IQ test to taking advantage of your first free coaching session to become more influential and solve some of those greatest influence challenges that you are facing. This comes from Zach from Manhattan. To my international listeners, that's in New York City in the United States. Says Kurt, been enjoying the new edition of Maximum Influence. Thanks for the podcast. I'm learning to persuade with power. I attended your power negotiation training a few years ago and still remember the story of the kid from Australia that was in first grade and had that bad teacher. Can you remind me of his name? Can you tell me that story? It's very similar to a story in my life. All right, thanks, Zach. That comes from... Peter Daniels out of Australia, the story is Miss Phillips, and uh, let me tell you about it, but before I do, let's get into a little content to kind of explain why I tell this story. Our content for today, and what I want to talk about is giving yourself permission to win, the mental side of success, the self-persuasion, because if you can't persuade yourself, if you can't give yourself permission to win, nothing else is going to matter, and it's one of those things that everybody works on Last. The success skills, the mindset, the emotional intelligence, these are critical life skills. And this is how I discovered it the hard way. Love seminars. Go to seminars. And you go to these seminars with these millionaires, these successful people. They talk about vision and mindset and goal setting, your belief system and your thoughts. And I'm like, okay, I heard it before. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Give me the tools. And it just wasn't happening for me. Success was eluding me. It was taking too long, and until the day I realized that if every successful person, every millionaire, every book on success I've ever written talks about those things, those are the tools. And so, Zach, let's talk about some of those tools. Let me give you that story, and why I tell you that story is you have to give yourself permission to win. Too many people are playing the game of life, trying not to lose, and when you try not to lose, any sports coach will tell you you're going to lose. You play to win. And you've got to play to win. If you're wanting what's taking so long to have success, to have wealth, whatever you're going after, it's giving yourself permission to win. And a lot of that comes back to our belief system. Your belief system is like a guidance system. And a lot of people have conflicting beliefs. Now, if you had an airplane that was coming in for a landing and two control towers telling it what to do, two control towers telling it what to do, it wouldn't make it. It would crash because it has conflicting guidance systems. And that's what's taking you so long. your brain right now, you have conflicting belief systems. I want to be successful and wealthy, but money's the root of all evil. I want a safe, secure job. I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to be successful, but I need a college education. And none of those conflict, but they could conflict for you. And that's why I tell that story with beliefs, because here's the challenge with beliefs. When you're in first grade, could be second grade, your brain is not fully developed. And when you're told something from an adult, from a teacher, it becomes an instant belief, positive or negative. If you're told you're weird, smart, strange, dumb, ADD, again, positive or negative, it becomes a belief. And that screws us up as adults because we have conflicting beliefs that we picked up when we are really young and our brain wasn't mature. And that makes a huge difference in our success or failure. So with that in mind, Zach, this is a story I tell. The book is written by Peter Daniels. It does come out of Australia, and this is how I found it. I was flying over to Singapore to do a training. Love to fly, because where else could you be left alone for 16 hours to do what you want, and I'm either writing a book or reading books. In this trip, I decided to bring a stack of books. I was doing some research, and I read most of them, and I finished all the books before we landed, and we landed in Singapore, a layover, and I decided to go to the bookstore and get some more books, and I went there, and I didn't recognize any of the bestsellers because they are all out of Australia, and one of them had this really interesting title, and so I bought it, and it was by Peter Daniels. kind of an autobiography, and he talked about having dyslexia, and nobody knew he had this learning disability, and he was labeled dumb, stupid, slow learner. And he hated school. Of course he hated school. There was two months left of first grade. Remember? First grade? And he pleaded with his father after they moved not to go back to school. Didn't want to go back to school, but of course dad says you go back to school. That's what you do. And went to first grade, two months left. Had this teacher named Miss Phillips, and she was mean, angry, vindictive, would yell the students. We don't even know why she was a teacher, but you take the worst teacher you've ever had. Multiply it by 10. This is Miss Phillips, just a mean, bad person. There's about an hour left of school, and Peter was just excited to go home, and Miss Phillips decided to hand out a test they had taken a couple days before, and she put it on Peter Daniels' desk, and there it was a big red F. He had failed another test. He turned it over, didn't want anybody to see, and just wanted to go home, and hated school, hated to fail. And then something that happened that destroyed poor Peter Daniels. Miss Phillips went in front of the class and said, class, Peter Daniels has failed another test. She said, in fact, Peter come to the front. You know, his eyes got wide. She's like, now. And he sheepishly walked to the front. She grabbed him by the arm, turned him around and said, class, this is Peter Daniels. He's a failure. He's failed another test. You know, he's going to fail out of school. He's going to be a failure his whole life. You probably shouldn't be his friend. You probably shouldn't talk to him. And then she pushed him to sit back down. Wow. Why? I don't know. Should she be shot? Probably. She just destroyed this life. It became a belief. And guess what happened to poor Peter Daniels? Yep. Failed out of school. Tried this failure. Tried this failure. 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 Everything he tried was a failure. And he got a little older and he realized that this experience in first grade has tainted his whole life. So he changed his belief system, identified his conflicting beliefs, gave himself permission to win, And decided to get into commercial real estate. He was all excited about it. Told his family and friends. And what do they say? They spit on his dreams. They pulled him down. Because what do family and friends do? They judge you on your past mistakes, not your future potential. But he didn't care. He had changed his belief system. Gave himself permission to win. Got into commercial real estate. Worked really hard for about 30 years. Became very successful. Actually became a billionaire with a B. Retired. And he wrote the book I was reading. And you want to know the title? Miss Phillips, you were wrong. You were wrong. And we all have a Miss Phillips in our life. We all have a book or a chapter to write. And we all have a couple beliefs, a couple conflicting beliefs we probably need to change and to adjust and to identify. And that's why I tell the story, Zach. And so you can look it up. And sorry, I had a similar experience. Hopefully you've changed your belief system, giving yourself permission to win, because that makes the biggest difference. Because what happens with these belief systems and growing up is there's something called the imposter syndrome, which is a collection of feelings and inadequacy that persist even though we're successful. You see a lot of this, vice presidents, CEOs that are very successful, but they still have self doubt. Why am I here? Why do I deserve this? They think they're imposters. In fact, Gil Corkindale in Harvard Business Review, HBR, looked at imposter syndrome. And this is a real thing. This holds a lot of people back because of these beliefs we picked up early on. And these people that have this imposter syndrome suffer from chronic self-doubt, intellectual fraudulence, she calls it, always needing feelings of success or external proof of their competence. And they're unable to internalize their accomplishments even though they're successful in their field. This is a huge thing. In seminars, I ask people when they're honest, A lot of people suffer from this to where they just maybe promoted one too many times. If you've studied the Peter Principle, low self-esteem, other people are better. Why am I leading this group? Other people are smarter and they get stuck here, which is a downward spiral. Do you suffer from the imposter syndrome? Do you continually need feedback and support and a boost to your self-esteem? Do you feel these feelings of inadequacy where it's, I just don't belong here? And she also identified some other common thoughts and feelings that come along with the imposter syndrome. Maybe you have this, maybe it's someone you're working with, that intense feeling of that you can't fail, feeling like a fake, it's all luck. Well, my success is no big deal. Everyone's done this. Anybody could have done it. Is that true? You have those? I bet you might have little pieces of this and that might be holding you back from giving yourself permission to win and being successful and being financially independent. So what is the solution? Well, according to Harvard Business Review, and I'll add my thoughts to these, is that you got to recognize these imposter feelings, that these thoughts you're having are pulling you down, triggering negative emotions, and they're coming across in your actions. Just be aware that it's there. You might have a small piece of it. You might have a large piece of it, but be aware. Or even the people you're trying to influence. If you hear any of those things that I just said, maybe they're suffering from imposter syndrome. Then they talk about rewriting your mental program. So telling yourself they're going to find out that you're an imposter, you don't deserve success, remind yourself it's normal not to know everything, to make a mistake, to not be perfect as you progress. Talk about your feelings. I know, especially if you're a guy, I don't think you're allowed to do that, but find fellow imposters that have the imposter syndrome and just talk it through. Or someone that you trust and respect that you can confide in, just talk it out. And they're going to tell you, I guarantee you, like, no. You're successful. What you've accomplished, what you've done, very few people have done that. But you've done it. It's not that big of a deal. Someone has a PhD. Hey, congratulations! But like, well, a lot of people have it. No, that's an accomplishment. Best-selling author. That's an accomplishment. Even just writing a book is an accomplishment. A promotion, accomplishment. You got it for a reason. Here's a good one too. Consider the context. When is it you don't feel hundred percent confident? There might be times in your life when self-doubt might be a normal reaction. Reframe it. Anybody that gets up to do public speaking, for example, you might not feel 100% confident. It's very rare. You're going to have butterflies, nervous. What if? What if? All right, you got to do a good job, but you got to get those butterflies to fly information that we've talked about on previous podcasts. Go to the archives. You can check out persuasive presentations and previous podcasts, but it's normal. Not to feel 100% confident when you get up and speak in front of an audience. Maybe that's your context, or when you have to influence up to the CEO, you might not feel 100% confident or maybe a little intimidated. Consider the context. Another tip is reframe the failure as a learning opportunity. All right, so you failed. Let's learn from it. Let's grow from it. Let's not blame other people. Let's take it as a critical life lesson. It's okay to fail. Everybody does. In fact, when you look at successful people, they have more failures than the average person. That's how we learn. It's how we grow. Their next step, be kind to yourself. Just like the previous one, it's okay to make a few mistakes, forgive yourself, but then do reward yourself when you do get it right. Next step was seek support. Everyone needs help. Everyone needs a team. Everyone needs a mentor. You can seek assistance. You don't have to do everything alone, even if you're at the top. Get help. Get a team. Everyone needs a coach. Michael Jordan, one of the greatest basketball players ever, needed a coach, and you need one too. You need to seek support. And final one from Harvard Business Review is visualize your success, keep your eye on the outcome, and finishing the task. And just like the geeky article, I'll also post this on MaximizeYourInfluence.com if you want to take a look at it, if you suffer from the imposter syndrome, it's real. It's out there. A lot of people. It's not just you. A lot of people. You've got to give yourself permission to run. You've got to look at your belief system. This one is huge. It's self-persuasion. It's human nature 101. It has to happen. doesn't matter what other influence tools I teach you. You can't influence yourself. You can't persuade yourself. You can't lead yourself. It's not going to matter. This is bigger than you will ever realize. So maximizers... Make sure you check us out on Spotify, iTunes, or MaximizeYourInfluence.com. Tell your family, friends, and enemy, hit like. Always help us out so we can have more content. Hit the like button. And of course, on the YouTube channel, Maximize Your Influence, I take a couple of concepts from the podcast and supersize them and take it a little deeper. All right, so go out. Identify those conflicting beliefs. Beliefs. Change your belief systems, give yourself permission to win, and go out and persuade with power.